Okay, thanks, James, for the warm welcome. And uh, everybody, good evening. Paul and Robin, this is your last evening, am I understanding? Right? You're going to come back. Okay. <clears throat> Lord's calling you to Florida. Yeah, and you guys have been a long time part of this fellowship, right? Yeah. 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 Sounds like you guys are going to be greatly missed from all I hear. So I hope this time can be special for you as well. Um, all right, I got a video that I'm going to show, and I'm going to use a speaker, and I, I hope it's going to be loud enough for all of us um, when that time comes. Uh, we'll give it a shot. So... Yeah, um, so as James said, my name is uh, Rich Brown, um, and my wife, uh, Karen, and our three daughters, Adelie, raise your hand, Adelie, today is her 18th birthday. <clears throat> yeah. She doesn't like it when I embarrass her, but you know, it's a, can't help it. And then um, Alyssa is 16, and then Ashlyn is 14. So Lord's blessed us with three girls. Um, ever since Karen and I were, were young, actually, um, we were aware of the fact that there's unreached people groups in the world. Both of us grew up in Christian homes. Um, both of our families, uh, no one loved the Lord and loved his work. And uh, I think that part of what they had done for us is they helped uh, instill God's heart into us uh, as, as children. And... Um, one of the things that I remember, um, as early as I can remember anyway, is uh, the Great Commission, as is mentioned in Matthew 28. And uh, particularly in verse 19, it says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations. And um, if you actually look at the Greek in that, the command is not to go, it's actually to make disciples. So um, <clears throat> even making a connection to Paul and Robin, I know that, so you have a heart for evangelism, and the Lord's uh, led you guys to do some pretty cool things, uh, reaching bikers and some crazy things like that around here. Yeah. People around the bikers, huh? You know, I um, we're not actually. I was born in Vermont, so actually I'm tip, actually technically from New England, but I left at two years old, so uh, I'm not used to the yeah life in New England and. I, Different culture, and it is different actually. I'm um, from Ohio, so I don't know if there's even any culture there. <laughs> but uh, Wisconsin, my wife is from Wisconsin, there's a little bit of difference there. She even has a little bit of an accent, so if you get to talk to her. Um, but yeah, I know that um, here in New England there's a lot of needs, and um, I think more and more we're seeing the nation that's turning away from God. It's made that turn a long, long time ago, and now we're seeing the results of that in many ways. Um, and I think a lot of times we'll come across people here in this country when we talk about Jesus, and really they have really no idea what you're talking about, um, really. Um, you talk about how God loves them, and they don't know who God is. Um, so that's the state of affairs, I think, and it's only going to get worse in, in this country. But... Um, 
And I think that's all more reason why uh, we're called to make disciples. Um, I believe that's the quickest strategy for reaching this world is through making disciples. So in 2 Timothy 2.2, which is one of my favorite verses, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men will be able to teach others also. And I'm going to share a little bit this evening about the Moy people, um, the people group the Lord had led us to. And this was a key verse in our minds as we lived among them and we were looking for the faithful people. When you have zero believers, when you first get there, it's going to take a little bit of time. Um, but God's faithful, and I'll share some of that with you. Here's an interesting fact. There's 11,741 people groups in the world today, um, which makes up 7.4 billion people. So I used to think six, but, you know, six billion people. There's more than six now. So that's a lot of different people groups that, Basically, one people group, they come to Christ, but there's going to be challenges for that to go to the next people group because of usually language barriers, but also culture or, or their own identity, how they see themselves as separate than the next group over. So it, it really presents some real challenges. Um, and then of those 11,000-odd, you have 7,027 that are, are considered unreached. So the technical and you'll hear this about unreached people groups or, or UPGs. If you do any kind of Google, Google search on unreached people groups, this is basically, they'll all agree on the fact that an unreached people group is a people group that has less than 2% that would call themselves Christian. Um, and I'm saying call themselves Christian, and that's how many of those that really truly know the Lord, you know, only he knows, but it's usually less than that. So that's a lot of people groups in this world still, that would be considered unreached. And um, of those 7,000, there's 3,179 unengaged, unreached people groups, meaning nobody is currently working towards reaching those people groups. Like, there's no, at least maybe the people are praying about it um, and have it on our hearts to do it, but they have not stepped foot among them and done anything about sharing Christ with them. 3,000. Um, and of those 3,179, not a one have God's word in their language. You know, I think about the privilege that we have as uh, Americans, most all of us, and um, how we have God's word in our language, but not just one version. We have many versions. And um, you know, we're a privileged people, and I, I truly believe this. I know that God had <clears throat> for a time and I think the time is still still happening in his mind to an instrument for reaching the world would be the United States and the, and the churches here in the United States. And uh, it was around the 1800s, um, Adonai Judson, some of the earlier missionaries who were sent from the United States. So Hudson Taylor, he's from England. Some of those, like William Carey is from England. And then... Around the, the turn of the century, in the 1800s, you started having missionaries from the U.S. Actually, not a lot of them, not too far from this, these areas right here, you know. Um, it's very interesting to think about. And so for the next then, couple hundred years, um, there was a lot of missionaries sent from this country to reach some of these people groups. But this is not a stat from 200 years ago. No, this is a stat today. 
And the Lord um, gave Karen and I and my daughters the privilege of working among one of these people groups. Um, so I don't know. I imagine that actually that stat before the Moy was reached was 3,180 because um, the Moy were totally unengaged and they were absolutely unreached. They lived in the jungle mountains of Papua, uh, what was called Irian Jaya. I don't know if some of you heard the book Peace Child um, by Don Richardson, um, same area, or Lords of the Earth by the same author. So it's the easternmost province of Indonesia, which is predominantly Muslim. And we're in this country through the Department of Religion, which is overseen by primarily Muslims. Uh, it's totally a miracle that I don't know why they're letting it happen. I, I can't explain it, except for it's just the Lord. Um, he's kept the door open for us and New Tribes Mission, the organization that we're affiliated with, um, to be able to serve in this country. Um, we have visas through the Department of Religion to reach um, what they see as non-Muslims, um, the ones who have no religion, and that's not okay for an Indonesian. You have to have some sort of religion of the six primary religions, and one of them happens to be Protestant Christianity. And so here we are, Protestant Christian missionaries allowed to be in this country working with animistic people group like the Moy, who the country's happy to see them become more civilized, um, their health improved, and a lot of the needs that they have, and us helping with. So that's our invitation. And so in the year 2000, then the team moved in there among them. Our family moved in 2005. Um, there was three families originally, and a family from Canada had health problems and had to leave, so we got invited to join them. Now, I'm going to show you this picture, um, and I, maybe some of you have heard about the Moy before. Jeff Sulo, who most all of you know, he's lived with us there for two months total, one month um, at a time. And uh, so maybe you've seen some of the pictures, but, you know, they would look like what you would see on National Geographic. And on the outward, the Moy are actually happy-go-lucky people. Um, and But when you start getting to know them, you realize that actually um, it doesn't really take long either. You start seeing that underlying a lot of the outward outgoingness of them is a fear of the spirits and a fear of one another. Um, and this idea that there's some sort of utopian societies where they're close to nature and loving one another, and, you know, that's some fairy tale thing. I mean, it really is that, you know, I believe a lot of universities and anthropologists all like to believe, you know, that's really the case. It doesn't take much till you start living among people like this. See, the more are people that, um, in Romans 1, it talks about, see, they knew God, but they did not worship him as God, nor were they thankful. It's interesting that thankfulness even is connected to that, you know. Well, part of thankfulness is realizing all of the things that we have is from God, and, and God wants us to be worshipers of, of him alone. Now, he's the one who created mankind. And, but what we see in Romans 1 is the people who, and many people around us, they trade the worship of the, of the creator for, for the created. And, and that's what the Moy did. Um, 
their ancestors way back when turned away from God. At what point in time in history, I do not know. But what I can tell you is when we moved in among them, we knew they were lost, but we didn't realize how lost they were. And we knew that sin um, was reigning there because uh, they had no relationship with God, uh, no Holy Spirit in them, no righteousness there present. So we knew what that was like, but we didn't really realize the depths of darkness. We didn't, we've never seen anything like that. Um, a society, a whole society that has turned away from God and became worshipers of primarily evil spirits. Um, they don't have any good spirits. Basically, all the spirits were evil in their minds. Uh, but you had to learn to control them or manipulate them so that you would not die, be eaten by them, nor would you be killed by others who were controlling those same spirits. And so it was a fear of these spirits and also the fear of death, which those spirits would cause. No such thing as natural death. It was always in their minds caused by evil spirits. And so it would create a cycle of death because somebody died and they would blame somebody else for having caused that death and then usually retaliate in some way and then that person dies, and these things, they never leave their heads. They're always thinking about that time when this clan over there, they killed their grandfather. And that one day they're going to pay him back, you know, pay back for, for what happened there. So that was the cycle that they were living in. So when we came to, to live among them, the infant mortality rate, if you can believe it or not, was about 80%. So um, death was something that they were just so used to. And guys, I mean, it just can't, you can't even imagine. Um, there's people that were dying, and we were trying to help them with medicine, and, and they were starting to, to pass. Um, but we didn't see the signs. And I'm not a doctor. We weren't nurses trained, but we learned on the job and learned from doctors and nurses how to do basic medicine. A lot of them died from simple things like pneumonia and dysentery and things like that that were very treatable. Um, but when they started seeing the symptoms of people dying, they said, they're going to die. They're going to die and they'll die tomorrow. And they're like, no, no, you don't know what you're talking about. They'll, they'll be okay. They're coming through. And sure enough, they die. You know, it's, why, did they, why did they know that? It's because it's something that was so familiar to them. And they would wail and cry and then become a very distant memory, very quickly. That was what the state of the Moy were when our families moved in to live among them. And so we had the privilege of working with another American family from Ohio um, and then an Indonesian family. And so the Indonesian family left about a couple years afterwards um, in about 2007. And um, so it was just us and Stephen and Carolyn Crockett and their, their two daughters uh, for the latter years. In 2006, after about five years of taking the time to learn their language and culture, um, because we wanted, they didn't, first of all, they didn't speak any other language. All they spoke was Moy. So they were totally monolingual. Um, didn't even speak Indonesian. So we learned Indonesian. They didn't speak that either. So we had to learn their language if they're going to be able to understand God's word. Then we had to go through the take the time to be able to translate God's word in, into their language. And you couldn't just do it on the fly. We had to really do the, the hard work 
of studying God's word, looking at the original, say something. Uh, yeah. Oh, anigisme, enimisimao, ken wai esi nai bai esi wanini, eni esi sepaonato koena. God's here in our presence and he loves us and we're one family. But those words, they, they never heard things like that before. No, that's crazy talk. <laughs> but after taking the time to translate God's word, we started to teach them chronologically. So starting in Genesis, because they had no concept of what God was like. And took them through helping them to understand what God is like and how he could speak creation into existence. And everything he made was good. Why? Because he was good. What is good? I mean, that, that's something that in and of itself was something foreign to them. And we began to teach more and more what he was like. And they began to realize we've never even fathomed anything like this. Somebody like this. And very quickly began to fall in love with him. But of those who first came to listen, there's eight, eight of them. So only eight people of a group of, really, they're only a small people group, about a 1,000, scattered over about 300 square miles. About eight people came. It's really interesting. The Moy were very proud, a very proud people. And they actually thought we came to live there among them because they were so cool. <laughs> and, and no joke. They, they, what, why else would you come and live with us? You know, that was basically the thinking, you know. Um, so they really had very little interest in things from the outside. It was including the creator's talk. And so it was only the very few maybe closest um, to the team that were willing to stick it out for the six weeks of teaching. And it was a long process to take them from Genesis to Christ, but it was also necessary to be able to help them to understand God before they could understand Jesus, the Son of God, who is God himself. You know, they had to, we had to lay those foundations in our minds, but by God's grace and the power of his word, eight people, the eight who stuck it out the whole time, all eight of them came to Christ. And their lives were radically changed. And you could see it. It was like night and day difference. We, we never told them that the evil spirits didn't exist um, because actually we knew they existed. Um, they were the demons. Um, they were the fallen angels that God had created um, and had chosen to follow Lucifer. They're the ones who were enslaving these people. That These people were in the kingdom of, of the darkness. Um, and so we, we helped them to, through God's word, understand the things that were happening around them and begin to realize, well, these evil spirits that we have been worshiping all our lives and our ancestor worshiped all their lives are, in, in fact the demons that, that had fallen, they were once pure and good, and God created them. Those are important things for an animist to begin to realize that the one that creates is more powerful than the created. And so they realized that, and as they began to know and have a relationship through Christ with the creator, with the creator God himself, the Father, they began to realize that he is more powerful than those things that they they used to worship. And so these eight uh, were radically changed. And it was through their testimony that many more were to come to Christ. And so let me just show you this video. I don't think most of you had a chance to see this yet. So this is a, a video called Awayo that um, 
has been there was a team that came in from from the organization to to actually do this as um, to help you know just show what God is doing among the Moy and I challenge others to to consider being a part of themselves. So let me go ahead and just show this, and I hope that you can hear it. Spirits watch us. We hear them in the wind. They control the night. They send centipedes like arrows to bite and kill us. They demand that we kill. My cousin committed adultery. The spirits were angry, so his wife's family killed him. Still, my family had to be compensated for his death. Her family tried to pay with show money. It was not enough. the death. A death for a death. This is the way we Moy people live. We make our gardens. We hunt. We build our houses. Spirits watch us. One day, a new voice in the wind terrified me. I ran to see what it was, and I hid. 
these strangers, men like me, are spirits here to eat us. My people invited the strangers to live among us. Years passed, and they learned to speak our language. They learned about our ways. Still, I wondered, are they men or spirits? The strangers shared the Creator's talk. A few Moy people listened. I did not. I overheard them say, The Creator is more powerful than all the spirits. I thought, This is lying talk. When some of the Moy people heard the Creator's talk, their hearts became different. At our feasts, they weren't afraid to break the spirit's rules. They hunted whatever they wanted. They weren't even afraid of eating taboo food. I told them, you will soon die for this. Death is small, they told me. The Creator's talk is big. I thought, is this really lying talk? I didn't know. I wondered what the spirits would do. When the centipede bit me, I knew the spirits were angry. My family slashed me to get rid of the bad blood. But the sickness grew bigger and bigger. So they killed a pig, but still the spirits were not satisfied. I was dying. Then they came. The Moy who believed the Creator's talk came through the night with medicine. They came through the night to save me. Why weren't they afraid of the darkness? Why didn't they fear the spirits? Each day, for many months, I listened to the Creator's story. I saw my own sin. I was awestruck. The Creator's talk is powerful.
Jesus died for us, for me, a death for my debt. But I know there are many people like the Moy. People who do not know the Creator. People who have never heard that Jesus died for them. Who will tell them? So that was 2008 when Wawaio came to Christ. And he, along with probably about 50 others or so, Moy. Um, and it was because of the testimony of the believers in 2006. So for two years, the neighbors and relatives and friends of these believers were seeing their changed lives and were thinking, why are you different? Why aren't you afraid of the evil spirits anymore? There's no, there's no such thing as a person like this. You know, they, they looked at us white people as totally different. We're from another world, so whatever, you know, whatever we do, it's quite a bit different anyway, so they make excuses for us and the things that we did. But to have more people not afraid of the spirits, that was a whole new thing. And so guys like Awao were impacted by their testimony. Um, you know, Jesus says that he's going to build his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In giving of the Great Commission, he says, Lo, I will be with you. You know, and I, those are promises that we, we held to when we were there. You know, we, we go as, as weak earthen vessels carrying this treasure. And um, it, it, there's nothing like being in a place like that, um, away from your home, away from your families, the ones that you love, living among a people who were not thankful, didn't appreciate what we were doing, when we even gave them medicine, they would still accuse us of trying to hurt them. Um, and you feel like you're not getting anywhere. But when we started being able to teach God's word, and some would let us do that, the impact of God's word in our hearts did not return void, just as God said it wouldn't. It was amazing. And it was an incredible privilege for us to be able to see that firsthand. So more come to Christ. And then, as they come to Christ, then we see the responsibility. Okay, make disciples. It's not just evangelism. It's not just going to the next group and, and telling people about Jesus, but it's making disciples, helping them to grow. And so we began to take the time to work with couples even, and, and singles and men like these eight. And this was in 2010. After spending a year and a half teaching eight guys, well, that's actually 13, but by the time year and a half rolled, rolled around, about eight guys are ready as Bible teachers. Learn how to read. Literacy was a big part of it. Giving them God's word, but they had to be able to read it. So teaching them how to read and then be able to read with fluency and actually so that you're not standing up there boring people to death, you know, as you're trying to find words. So all that was important, teaching them how to teach. And most importantly, that their lives would match what the gospel says. And so those are all important part of discipleship. And, and through, through them and opportunities that we've had with the different individuals, <clears throat> they began to teach themselves. 
And this was in 2012. There was about 120 that came for that outreach. Um, here is Poufier standing up there teaching. He was on a rotation. There's going to be seven weeks of teaching going through about 65 lessons that we had prepared. Again, starting in Genesis and going all the, all the Christ, all developed in, in the Moy language, all these lessons that we had developed for them. And after that year and a half, they were ready to teach. Poufier stood up in front of them, ready to, ready to share. And then they were saying, sit down. We don't want to hear you. <laughs> and... Uh, and they weren't, they weren't joking either. They didn't want to hear him. And some of the older guys were telling me, you, you sit down. And then I stood up and I said, no, no, I know you want to hear me teach, but I'm, I've uh, actually spent this last year and a half working with these guys, and they're ready to teach you, so give them a chance. And so Fufia got back up again, and he started teaching. And you could see, I mean, pretty much literally, like see jaws drop as they're hearing this guy in part, God's truth with authority. And um, that word, as they began to hear it in their, in their language among these men, uh, was doing its work. And so from that time, that particular evangelism, we had probably about uh, 80 or so um, come to Christ. There was actually more than that who professed, but in time we began to realize that it was fewer than that. So, But it was a lot. And so, and then... Since uh, we were in Connecticut last over the last few years here, about two years ago, uh, we were able to see the first three elders um, recognized officially uh, of the Moy Church. And so these younger guys, um, married young families, have taken on the responsibility of shepherding the church. So as I was telling Greg um, earlier while we were eating a meal together, one of the things that we wanted to do in going there was work ourselves out of a job. And honestly, it took a lot longer than I thought it would. <laughs> uh, it's interesting how that is. But a lot of good things for us to learn along the way you know, about how God works and he's patient with us. And in, in turn, he wants us to be patient with others too. But we saw it happen. And to reach a place for some of them where they're ready to, to serve one another, um, and so the church has continued to, to grow. So this was just uh, this past April we had a chance to go in and visit. Um, we've since moved out to town, and I've taken on a leadership role. But uh, the Lord has even brought uh, graciously another organization in to, to help school the kids. So now there's teachers, uh, four teachers there, teaching the little Moy kids. And so... Not only are they coming to Christ at young ages and their parents are reaching them, but now they're having an education, um, which I believe is incredibly important for them so that they can be integrated in society and be leaders in their society. Um, they're learning Indonesian. So that's going to be very important. I believe it's important as, as shepherds. So the wolves come in from within, but also from without. And it's going to come through the language of Indonesian, not Moy primarily. So these guys have to be able to speak another language so that they can actually even do their role. So, and they're taking on the responsibility wholly of, of teaching and baptizing and ongoing literacy. So those are things that the Lord's done among this people group. 
and it's taken a few years to do that. Um, but, you know, it's amazing that we've had a privilege to be a part of this. And many times we felt like we are just bystanders, just basically in a crowd watching God work in his arena, just changing hearts. And really at times it's almost surreal, like, wow, this is really happening. Um, just a, wonderful to see how God works. I started this evening by sharing about unreached people groups. The Moy people are just one of them, and they're no longer considered unreached because of, of God and his love for them. And he sent his people to them. There's, there's nothing more humbling than to hear the Moy stand up and as, in a meeting around the Lord's Supper praying and thanking the Lord for his love for them and how he sent the Crockett's, Panamunans, and the Browns to them. Um, what a privilege. And it, it's really just humbled us to say, well, God, you let us be a part of them, living among them, being able to share your truth with them, and your word didn't return void. And now they're taking it to other parts. There's ones in missionary training themselves and they're going to other parts of other country already. Um, so the Lord's already building his church and growing it through the Moy. Um, there's many other things that I would like to share with you, and perhaps another time um, we're having growing opportunities in the country of Vietnam, my mother's home country. Um, unreached people groups there. And particularly in the north where communism started, uh, places that have been closed to the gospel for years, starting to have opportunities, starting to have a way for the gospel to, to penetrate. It takes people, and that's something that we're praying for while we're in the States, is that the Lord would raise up laborers because, as Jesus said himself, that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So I just thank you for the chance to share with you all a bit this evening. Um, it's a privilege to be together with you. It's a privilege to worship the same Lord together, be a part of his work together. Thank you for your faithfulness here in this small part of the world. Yeah. Maybe, uh, I don't know, should I, James, should I close in prayer? Or? That'd be great. Yeah? Okay. All right. Lord, I um, am, am grateful for the chance to be together with my brothers and sisters here. Um, Lord, I just thank you for your power at work in us, Lord, um, both to will and to do of your good pleasure. Lord, that's how you work. Uh, each one of us, Lord, you have laid bef before us, Lord, the steps that you planned out from before creation, Lord, that we would walk in them. And we have that privilege to serve you. We have that privilege to walk in, in the goodness and the, the good plan that you've had. Uh, from the beginning of time. And so, Lord, I just uh, pray that we might uh, follow those steps, Lord. We would follow uh, your will, um, that we would remain close to you, um, knowing that there's so many needs around us here and around the world. So I just pray that you would use this body mightily and ask you in your son's name. Amen.